0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Mary and Tom Show. I'm Tom. I'm Mary. This is our show. Folks, we just got back from the CSW Expo in Tempe a few days ago. That was fun. Yep. We met a lot of cool people there. Got to hang out with Brian Train. Got to hang out with uh, Steve from Blue Panther, who's our our printing partner. Got to hang out with uh, Roger Miller and Randy Lean from Revolution and Legion, respectively. And you just got to meet some everyday normal gamers who were like our stuff and told us so how much they like our stuff and that was a, that was a neat experience, I think.
1: Yep. I'm very talkative.
0: <laughs> we didn't do a whole lot of game playing while we were there, and I was kinda of intimidated by some of the monster games. I have heard about monster games, I knew they existed, but those games were really big. Like they took up a lot of table space, they had a lot of little counters. And that's just, that's way too much for me. So, uh, we're going to pass on those, but... uh, Monster's quite excited. Yes, now games with Monster, that's different. Those are better. One mistake that we made uh, in trying to get the uh, cheaper airfare is we flew down on Saturday night and then we flew back on Tuesday night, arriving Wednesday morning at 6 a.m., And I think we learned that while those have cheaper ticket prices, the flights aren't any less crowded. And it's kind of miserable.
1: I didn't know the Red Eye could be packed like that. There were no seats left.
0: Yeah. In fact, when we got onto the plane, there was some lady sitting in our seats. And she seemed... Yeah, she wanted to sit there. And it was like, these are our seats, lady. Unfortunately, people sitting in front of us had two uh, small children. And one of them I think was pretty sick because just mucus was streaming out of their nose and their mouth and their eyeballs and everything and
1: a snot muffin.
0: Yeah. Kept trying to touch us and say hi to us and the long and short of it is when we uh when we got back into Michigan, we weren't feeling so hot and we've been we've been sick the last few days. We were gonna record this podcast a few days ago, like as soon as we got back from CSW and it was like uh no. My voice sounded like this, and Mary's voice sounded like this, and that wouldn't work. So, uh, we are recording it now. I sounded
1: like you? I'm
0: not good at doing impersonations of you, Mary. Wow. So we have a new game coming out, uh, and I think by the time this podcast comes out, the game will be out. We'll be taking orders for it, otherwise, we'll be taking orders for it very, very shortly. And it is The Big Push from designer Renaud Verloc. It's a World War One card game. We g- sold a few copies at the CSW Expo, and people seem to be digging it and talking about it, and that's nice. So, this episode that you're listening to right now is our fiftieth episode.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So that um, which means that there were forty-nine episodes prior to this one. I'm good at math, Mary. Are they all up? They're not all up as of as of this moment, but we, I started putting back up the yeah. old ones. Cause uh, so when we started with the podcast, we didn't pick the most expensive plan for the file hosting. We figured, well, this is kind of ephemeral. No one's gonna be interested in old episodes of this thing. And we boy, were we, we wrong! Can we not? Okay, I thought no one's gonna be interested in old episodes of this thing. And boy, was I wrong. Uh, and so we have now upgraded to the the unlimited plan, where we can have as much as we want on there. So I have been slowly putting up the old episodes uh, and listening to them as I put them up. And it's kind of painful to listen to them, uh, just because we didn't have the same microphone we're using now. And it's kind of like a podcasting rite of passage, is to start with like a crummy microphone, so that... At a certain point, you get the new microphone, and it's like, oh man, I can't believe those old episodes. They sound so bad. So we did that. And some of the old episodes, like, I think we're more comfortable in front of the microphone now than we were previously. We still have moments where we're kind of awkward, because we're not...
1: That's me all the time. Oh. Yeah. I'm just awkward.
0: I think both of us have awkwardness sometimes, but we're less awkward now than we were, say, in episode one. So. Probably. This being our 50th episode, uh, we thought it would be cool if we answered some questions that people had for us. And we got two of them, which is pretty exciting.
1: Wow, we have two listeners. I'm really excited.
0: I think we have two listeners that had questions because I think after
1: I think we might have three listeners. Wow. That's pretty exciting.
0: That is pretty exciting.
1: Yeah. Um our first question is from Board Game Skunkworks. How did we get into gaming?
0: There's a distinction between like modern games and uh well, I guess we'd call traditional or, or more old fashioned games. Because those kind of games, of course, I grew up playing. I grew up playing stuff like Monopoly and Clue and Risk and Othello. Uh, well, Mary, you used to play Cribbage with your dad.
1: Yeah. With both my parents, yeah.
0: Okay. Well, I remember your dad because he you he said he, he'd he play... Um, he'd play Scientific. Scientific.
1: <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, and he'd always lose. <laughs> we, we would say Dad... Well, I would say, Dad, don't don't play scientific. And my mom would be, Don't don't play scientific, Vince. Don't just just play normally. No, nope. he had to play scientific.
0: Did not work out for him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no. No, we we played uh Cribbage and Scrabble and Euchre, which I can never remember how to play. My dad would always have to go through the rules with me and I'd pick it up right away. And then I wouldn't play it for a long time and I'd forget. No, I remember Cribbage.
0: Yeah.
1: Cribbage I I know backwards and forwards.
0: You taught me how to play cribbage. <clears throat> and for a long time before we got into modern games, like every night we would play cribbage or Scrabble. Mm-hmm. Those were our two go to's. And you always trounced me pretty much every time in Scrabble. Cribbage I got to the point where I was kinda winning like forty percent of the time. But uh Scrabble you were, you were
1: getting better with Cribbage. You weren't getting better. I was better not with getting
0: Scrabble. better with Scrabble, no. You, you you hosed me every time.
1: Well, that was because you had you had to try and make a seven
0: letter word. I was always going for the bangos. I was always going for like the real stylish words. So we were you know, playing games was a was a part of our routine for a while. And then how we got into the modern board games, I spent a lot of time in my twenties trying to be a, a creative person and do creative things. Mary and I made films together, I wrote novels, I tried doing music, which I'm tone deaf so that didn't work out so well. And I never really got anywhere with any of it. It got to the point where I, where I wasn't really pleasant to be around, and I didn't want I didn't really enjoy much of anything. I didn't enjoy going out and doing things because I should be at home spending time on on this novel or whatever and then I got sick I got uh an infection, and after that, I kind of changed how I approached uh life as it were. Where I was trying to be, just enjoy things and enjoy people and be a better person. And once I started doing that, all these kind of threads kind of came together and pointed towards board games. Like we were in Ann Arbor uh, with a friend of ours, which we never would have done that. I wouldn't have wanted to go to Ann Arbor on a weekend when I could be you know doing some kind of art thing we were in a comic book store and in the basement of the comic book store they had a bunch of modern board games I'd never seen this before and I was like oh wow that's cool and I took notice of it and I wouldn't really be in the headspace to take notice of it prior to that infection and that, that change in my life right?
1: well mostly you noticed because it was a $300
0: $300 game. version of Catan and I was like I don't know what this Catan is why is it $300 what is this big deluxe why does this thing exist couple days later I was doing uh, hitting the random article button on Wikipedia and I came up with an article on the 18xx games well what are these? What is this this thing? And there's a link in the article to some video from a guy named Scott Nicholson and we started watching those videos. You know we got a couple Euro games and started playing them and and, uh, we started going to a a game night and I thought well I'm going to be a Euro game designer and started trying to design Euro games and uh, I did a war game as kind of a it's a lark. And the Euro games never sold, but the war game did. And, you know, uh, hop and skip later, here we are publishing war games. And it's worked out okay for us. Sure has.
1: Our second question is from Aaron Killo. Tom, can you talk about the games you are currently in the process of
0: designing? Oh, boy. Well, there's, there's a few. The project I'm kind of finishing up right now is This Guilty Land. We already have Cole Worley working on the art. And we're looking at releasing it at the end of this year. Uh, And it's nice to get that off my plate because it's such a, a serious subject matter that it's kind of emotionally draining sometimes. So it's nice to be moving on from that. And that's really my big game coming out this year. Now, there's one more game of mine that should be coming out this year. And that is a train game. This is from Hollenspiel, a train game. Um, called the Sioux Line. And this is the first time we're we're formally announcing it here on on the podcast, and we're currently working on testing out that game. Now, I wasn't really planning on doing a train game for Spiel because I've done five of them for uh, Winsome, but looking at this particular game, um, I felt like it was just a little too weird, where I didn't feel comfortable pitching it to Winsome, because uh, the thing with the Winsome games, of course, is that generally they try to license them to a larger publisher. I don't see this one being licensed to a larger publisher because of, of the weirdness. It's a three-to-six player game uh, in which there are only three railroads, and the person who's the majority shareholder controls that railroad. Usually you have as many railroads as you have players. Now, there are some private companies and that kind of makes up for the players who aren't as active with with choosing what happens with the railroad but it's kind of an unusual dynamic and i just thought this is maybe a better fit for hollenspiel and we could see how we do with that kind of train game and see if there's a market for it with our production method you know, we always try to experiment. We always try to do different things, do different kinds of games. And sometimes they take off and sometimes they don't. And that is the fun part is figuring it out. But if you don't try, then you never know if it's going to work or not.
1: But with our particular model, we can take chances.
0: So I'm testing that one. I'm also working on some preliminary tests for my Westphalia game, which is a seven player negotiation game and right now is designed to be a seven player game i have some rules that will scale it down from four to six with scaling it down there are some changes to the rules so it's not quite the same game as what i want it to be i really the seven player version of the game is the game and then the four to six player version is an approximation of the game Uh, i'm a little ambivalent about that because on the one hand You know, we publish games for you to buy them and for you to play them, and a seven-player game is a hard game to justify buying and hard to get on the table. You know, I'm not creating some kind of art object, you know, to be admired from afar. It's something you you should be able to play, and I want to remove as many barriers as possible to playing it. At the same time, the game really works best with seven players, each controlling a separate faction because it's it's very asymmetrical. Uh, So we'll see how that does. That won't be coming out until probably the end of next year. We I tend to wanna to put like the, the quote unquote big games or or the major games or whatever. The really interesting, unusual ones out by at the end of the year. Um so assuming testing goes well, that one will be coming out uh late next year. I'm also working on the Shields and Swords Ancients series, so this is kind of an offshoot of our Shields and Swords 2 series of medieval battle games, but instead of the Middle Ages we're going into the Ancients period. Um, it has some changes uh, to differentiate it from its Middle Ages cousin. Uh, for one thing, it's a square grid instead of a hex grid. And the way losses are handled is a little different and puts more of an emphasis on maintaining that kind of very linear formation. Um, right now, I'm he's kind of casting about for the scenarios for the first set. Dinosaurs. That's that's a little before the period that that I have in mind.
1: Um, I noticed on your list there are no dinosaurs.
0: Okay, look, dinosaur table battles will be a thing. It's just it's just not on the list currently, but it, it is it is it is in the backlog. It's going to be worked on. It's going to be done. Don't make that face at me. No, not the sad face, Mary. No. You know, I think
1: I'm going to get some little dinosaur um print I'm going to print out some dinosaurs really tiny mm-hmm. and then I'm going to glue them to the inside of your glasses. Why would you do that? So you can focus on dinosaurs all day. <laughs> it's a reminder that you need to do dinosaur
0: games. Yes. It seems like every week you give me a new dinosaur game to do, so I have, I have another backlog of dinosaur games to do as well.
1: You know, if you just let me have a dinosaur, I don't want a T-Rex. Although that would be really cute. I have a nice little T-Rex. Of course, they get kind of big.
0: They but, get big.
1: Um, you know, if you just let me have one. You're so mean, though. You won't let me have a dinosaur.
0: I mean, technically, if one get scientific about it, you know, the, the grackles out in the front yard are dinosaurs. So, I mean, I could give you one of those. Mm. I don't think it would last very long, though. I don't think that the cats would suffer it to live for too long.
1: This just went in a
0: dark place.
1: Of course, if we got a dinosaur that would eat the grass, you wouldn't have to mow the grass anymore.
0: That's true. I wouldn't mind that. I mean, I wouldn't mind just, just... You know, putting rocks down where the grass is and just have, like, a rock lawn. (laughs) Like, I'd be okay with that. Because I, I I mean, I do it. I mow the lawn. But I I don't, you know, I don't enjoy it. Especially not in the summer. It's hot. You don't do it in the winter. No, I don't. (laughs) That reminds me when I was working out in Warren. There was... (laughs) So, uh, for the HUD homes that we were taking care of, the contractors taking care of them, you know, there was a, a schedule that they had to cut the grass every two weeks through from this month to that month, I think ending in uh, October or November or whatever. And in certain states. Yeah, it varied by state. Sometimes it snowed, you know, during the grass season. And so they wouldn't cut the grass. And the same photos are saying, hey, you know, it snows. I couldn't cut the grass. Except one guy, one guy cut the grass with the snow. There are photos of him, like, mowing over the snow. And we had explained to him, no, we can't, we can't pay you for that. Yes, you did the work, but the work was not required. Of course, there, there was another guy, and I hated this guy. Um, he would, because during the snow season, we'd pay them to shovel, shovel the walk in the driveway. And sometimes, you, you know, you can plow the driveway, right with the snow plow. That's that's acceptable. But he was plowing the walkway as well, driving his big snow plow over the grass, ruining okay. the grass. Was get the he, snow out of there.
1: Was he? did he get the blade under the the grass and pull the grass up?
0: No, the wheels of the Just the wheels, okay. You know, ran these big ruts in there and yeah. just, just ruined it. And and we confronted him about cuz he was doing it like he was like the number one contractor in, um, I don't know, Minnesota or something. Uh, and we confronted him about that, and he said, you know, it cost me more money to pay my subcontractor to get out of the plow and shovel it than would cost for me to pay to repair the grass if you guys complain about it in the springtime. So I'm just going to keep doing this. Oh, I hated that guy.
1: Yeah, they, they wouldn't get rid of people who did stuff like that
0: uh, yeah, it didn't he, matter he, how
1: much damage they'd do
0: but uh, they couldn't find anyone else in the area so they kind of they were kind of over a barrel so I'm glad that I no longer have to deal with that and the reason why I'm out of there is because of folks like you not for listening to our podcast necessarily we don't get any money from the podcast but you buy our games and you spread the word about our games and because of that we're able to do this full time and I don't have to go to that terrible job where I have to argue with contractors all the time I could spend all day arguing with Mary about dinosaurs And that's way better. Yep. Well, I think that's it for today. And we'll talk to you guys next time.
1: Bye.